This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Chicago was once the candy capital of the country, and some would say the world. A Snickers candy bar has everything everybody likes. Inside a fluffy nougat flavored with peanut butter and malted milk. Then a creamy golden caramel layer with lots of fresh whole Virginia peanuts. And covered all over with pure milk chocolate. Mmm, boy, what a bar. <laughs> candy bars like Milky Way, Three Musketeers, and yes, Snickers, have been made in the Galewood neighborhood on the west side for nearly 100 years. But Mars Wrigley, the company behind these beloved candy bars, announced this week that it's closing this location. So what legacy does Mars Wrigley leave behind? And how does its story fit into the history of candy making here in Chicago? Well, here to fill us in is historian Leslie Goddard. She is the author of Chicago's Sweet Candy History. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And we should note that we did invite Mars Wrigley to the show, but a representative was not available to join us. So, Leslie, tell us how you're feeling about the closing of this uh, factory. It's, well, it's sad. I mean, certainly for the for the history and the legacy it's leaving. I, you know, I understand that the history of candy has always been one of the constant need to to innovate and to stay cutting edge, and it's it's. I understand the need to make changes. But it's so sad because it, it not only was it such a part of the neighborhood, which was huge, but it was such a center for so many things that we love. It was such a representative of Chicago's place in candy history. And, of course, mm-hmm. that's not going away. Yeah. Uh, but it's sort of sad to see an era end. And nearly 300 workers are going to be losing their jobs over the next uh-huh. couple of years, too. So, Yeah, it really is. Now, the, the, the reality is that Chicago candy industry has been shifting and changing a lot. And the things that made Chicago such a great place to make candy when, when the factory first started making chocolate there. And they, they started work on that plant in 1927. So it's been a long, long time. But, you know, the things that made it such a great center in 1927 are, you know, the city's changed and candy making's changed. So yeah. what I'm, what I love is that it, it, the legacy that it leaves behind lives on. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, for sure. We'll, we'll dig into that history a little bit more, uh, Leslie, of when Mars came to the area. What were they making at the time? Yeah. They were making, it was, it was actually still a fairly new company in the sense that Frank Mars had you know, he started his company in 1911 and didn't really hit it big until the introduction of the Milky Way in 1923. And he was working out of Minneapolis in 23. And it had its ups and downs, but Milky Way became such a big success that eventually the the decision was made to move to Chicago for a lot of the reasons that so many candy makers did. This was an incredible center for, first of all, inexpensive shipping, transportation, and all of the transportation networks bringing agricultural products to Chicago and then getting the finished products out. And it was, it was a huge economic advantage to be here. But also, Chicago already was a great candy center. It had suppliers and people making flavor extracts and people making boxes and all kinds of things. So it was tapping into this exciting kind of a, an era. Not to mention, of course, Chicago had good weather for making uh, candy. You could make candy here for seven months out of the year right. um, in those in those pre-air conditioning days. So it was a really um, it was it was a really exciting time to be part of the Chicago candy industry. 
1953, the Chicago Tribune named it Factory of the Month because of its yeah. architecture. Uh, and you have said that they chose the location quite intentionally. Can you explain that? Absolutely, yes. And it was a very deliberate decision. There had been a golf course there. It was on part of a golf course. Beautiful land there. And certainly they did it beautifully landscaped, a very sort of Spanish style architecture with a red tile roof. And they had a beautiful canopy going out. The idea that Frank Mars had was that being located in a beautiful neighborhood would attract some of the best employees. Not to mention that there was a real concern at that time about adulterated candies. This is a legacy of a lot of 19th century concerns. And they really positioned this factory as a beautiful, sunlit kind of a candy kitchen where your candies are going to be clean and pure. And, and, and it really worked. I mean, we don't think of a lot of factories where having a factory open up in your neighborhood is going to increase the value of the houses around it. True, but, yes. Uh, at least one newspaper reported that it did. And, and, and it's really true. When you look at the building, and it's still, obviously, the building is still there. It really is a beautiful place. And, and it's part of that, that whole legacy, the, the, the mindset of the time that you're, you're tied into your employees and the community, mm-hmm. um, in things like that in ways we don't, we don't necessarily think of the same way today. But it's absolutely true that some amazing innovations came out of that factory. What else was, was Mars notably good at, would you say? Cause it, it sounds like marketing was top notch. Um, it absolutely <laughs> was. It absolutely was. Two things that I think Mars did exceptionally well. One of them was to focus on a really great product. And you think about the Milky Way and the Snickers and these things we love. A lot of what made them so appealing was that they were they were big, you know, that, that you had that whipped up nougat. And so uh, I think it was Forrest Mars, Frank Mars' son, who said, you'd go to a candy counter and there would be a flat milk chocolate bar. And then there be this big fluffy Milky Way. And it, it's appealing, but it also speaks to the idea that Mars always had, that the the more appealing your item is, and, and that included high quality Forrest Mars, uh, who took over in the 60s. I mean, he was a stickler for a nice thick coating. So it was a quality of product, but it was also the fact that this was, they were extremely focused on marketing and getting the product out. And, mm-hmm. you know, think about the, the world of the 20s where a lot of candy was bought now, candy bars were just becoming a big thing, and Mars was was very determined to get that candy bar out there, get them into the big, big stores, not just focus on mom-and-pop uh, grocery stores, but get into the big general merchandise stores, get into the, 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 grocery, the, the yes. big grocery stores and then the supermarkets, and and understanding that candy bars and, and that, that sort of um, non-specialty, uh, the, the non-luxury chocolate market, a lot of it is impulse buys. What is it? I think today 90% of all candy purchases are impulse. Well, it was really Mars Bizarre. that uh, – yeah, and they were really – they were really um, – active in that notion that when you're at the counter, there's going to be that 
Snickers bar, that Milky Way bar. Makes when you're at a perfect gas sense. Candy's uh-huh. everywhere. It's at the, the checkout line at the grocery store. It's it is, at the gas right? station. I go in to just ask a question. There's candy staring me right in the face. I have no choice but to buy it. It's at the vending machine here at WBEZ. I have no choice but to get right? a candy bar before I get on right. air. <laughs> you exactly. <know? laughs> and, and we often don't think about it. And we really don't think about, you know, when was the last time that you went to a vending machine or a checkout counter and they didn't have a Snickers or a Milky Way or a Three Musketeers? And it's been that way so long. You know, think about Snickers was introduced uh, 1931. It's the best-selling candy bar of all time. And we never process, one, just how long it's been a part of our lives, Mm -hmm. and two, the kind of manufacturing that you need to supply all those stores all across the United States. Um, I saw one statistic that in any given month, 45% of Americans will eat a Snickers bar. And my first thought was, oh, gosh, I didn't eat mine this month. <laughs> Someone else has to eat more. Yeah, right, now, well, but, now I know what to do after I talk with you, Leslie. Right? <laughs> but, but also the fact that, that it's hard to wrap your mind around the kind of production that that, that, that requires. And, and Mars has been consistently over the last decade uh, leading the way. Not they, the Chicago factory hasn't been their own, but, but it's part of that, that process that Mars has had to really be as cutting edge in autom- automation. And, um, you know, I, it's difficult to work in a building, I'm sure, with aging yeah. infrastructure, but um, they've really set up a, a powerful model that made it such an incredible everyday part of our lives. A powerful model in a city that was just uniquely positioned yeah. to become the candy capital. You know, as you said, yeah. costs were low uh, for uh, transportation, railroads, uh, access. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of and, set up beautifully. Yeah. It was. And I haven't even mentioned uh, immigration. A lot of great Chicago candy makers, uh, not particularly Mars, but you certainly had Brock's here and you had um, Andrew Canelos of the Andes uh, Andes Candies and you had the DeMet Brothers and you had, um, it goes on and on and on. And not to mention, of course, there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of labor that was available. And, you know, Chicago had such a perfect storm of transportation, immigration, weather patterns, agricultural commodities coming through. We think a lot of times about Chicago being a great center for meatpacking, being a great center for grain, but we don't always realize just how incredibly deep the candy industry's roots are here. And, you know, to think about Uh, There's a statistic that for most of the 20th century, at least through the 1960s, about a third of the candy manufactured in the United States was coming out of Chicago. It's a statistic that's that's hard to exaggerate. Mm -hmm. And yet we think of candy as it's fun, you know, it's, you know, frivolous kind of a thing. And we forget that that it's a really important part of the city's history yes. and, and and really enriches um, kind of the legacy here. Yeah. Well, you know, other candy makers have, have called Chicago home as well. Let's talk about Blommers, shall we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they're a really good example of a candy supplier because they when they started the business in the late 30s, they could have located anywhere. But they located in Chicago because they said this is where our customers were because they have always been a wholesale 
chocolate manufacturer and they wanted to be close to where the candy makers were and the candy makers were in Chicago so it makes it makes a lot of sense yeah. not to mention of course it made that neighborhood smell so I wonderful. was just about to say <laughs> let's dedicate a few seconds Leslie to talking about the smell like when right. you when you drive or walk past a, a chocolate factory like come on I know, I know. Um, I think it was Ellen Gordon of Tootsie Roll who said, you know, there must be something in the air here because uh, you can just smell the sweets in the air. And, and it's true, Chicago's candy consumption has uh, has always been a little bit higher than the rest of the nation. And I think in part because it just <laughs> smells so good. Yes, it smells so good. Well, you know, will Chicago still be considered the candy capital? That is the question. Well, you know, the, the candy industry has been shifting a lot and, and it has been, you know, consolidation has played such a big role in the, the candy industry. A lot of the great candy factories in Chicago have closed or disappeared. You know, you had companies like Leaf that made Whoppers and they are gone, although Whoppers were acquired by Hershey. There's been a lot of big shifts. This is absolutely still a major center for candy making. I mean, Tootsie Roll is still here. You've still got the Ferrara Pan Factory and the mm -hmm. Baby Ruth and Butterfinger Factory here and um, American Licorice has a factory in Allset. But even more than that, I think this is still a city with a lot of great innovation going on in candy making. You have places like Vosges Chocolate doing really fascinating things with exotic flavors. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the National Confectioners Association has its annual convention in Chicago um, yeah. because there really still are amazing number of of really great candy places. So. And it's, yeah. uh, even though Mars Wrigley's is, is closing its factory on the west side, it's global headquarters still here in Chicago, That's at, right. at least for now, right? At least for now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Chicago will always be the home, the, the birthplace of uh, Snickers and Three Musketeers. And that's, uh, you can't take that's that a away. pretty great legacy. Yeah. <laughs> that is historian <laughs> Leslie Goddard. Look out for her upcoming book, Lost Chicago Department Stores. That comes out in a few days. Leslie, congratulations on that. And thank you so much for joining. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.